Hey, all you nature nerds, this is You're Gonna Die Out There. Welcome back, Nature Nerds, to 2023, our first full episode of the year. I'm sitting here across from my co-host, Jen. Hello. Looking lovely. She'll be telling our story today. I will. Yeah. And let me just, before you tell your story, real quick, tell you that all day today, for whatever reason, I have been on the TikToks watching organization hack videos, like cleaning and organizing videos. And I, I feel like one of the ones that I watched, we should talk about. Uh, yeah. I mean, it is it's like a new year, new you kind of thing, right? Sure. With the organization. Yeah. I'm just trying to figure out how I'm going to keep finding spaces for all my Christmas stuff because my collection keeps growing because <laughs> it's like it just comes with age. Yeah. Like just, the older you get, the more Christmas crap you got to collect. Right. Yeah. It's important. It's really important. I don't know what's happening to now me. Now you got to put it all away. Yes. Well, so I saw this one that was like this woman who went to her daughter's middle school and like decorated and organized and stocked her daughter's locker. And I was like, what the actual... Like F. at her school. At her school. And she like put this kind of like wallpapery stuff up. And then she had all these like separate containers. And I was like, you know, I think about how... I love containers. I do. I love organizing. But mm -hmm. also, I feel really guilty about it because I'm like, why am I buying this plastic container exactly. to put stuff in that I already has a container that came in? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm always thinking mm -hmm. about that. Anyway, but I'm like watching it and I find that like, it's really satisfying though to like watch <laughs> her put everything. And she put like this little butterfly mirror and like these, like a chapstick and like all these things. Anyway, and it's not just one chapstick. It's like five. You know, she like stocked this. And I look over at my son who's playing video games uh -huh. and just like hair all over the place, just still in his PJs because it's Saturday. Uh huh. And I'm like, hey, I like pause it. I'm like, hey, do do parents like come to your school and like decorate their kids lockers and like stock it with snacks and stuff? And he was like, mom, you have got to stop watching those organization videos. <laughs> <laughs> but but what did, but did he tell you if there are people? But I was like, yeah, like, do they do but that? No, really? Yeah, I, I just need to know. And he was like, I don't know. And I was like, okay. I mean, I think that's the difference between boys and girls, right? The girls, if you, so, yeah, if my girls, if, if I asked that, them, they yeah. would know. They would be like, oh, yeah, so-and-so had this, and so-and-so had that, and right. I saw so-and-so's And they would probably be like, mom, never come to my school and organize my life. Don't ever do that. That's so embarrassing. And I'm like, can I come? I'm, I just want to do it. I want to do it, but also I don't want to do it. Yeah, four chapsticks, come on. That, that's excessive. It's excessive, yeah, that's a lot. Also, just let them organize their own damn locker. I mean, this is the truth. They got to learn it sometime. Just, just, yeah. Anyway, I thought I would share. That is interesting. Is there any like good <laughs> tips you learned from all the videos? Like anything we can, we can carry into this new year? Sure. Yes. So that you don't overbuy organizational containers, uh -huh. right? And let me just say that I think that if you get like a bamboo situation, it's sustainably grown. You know what I mean? Like look for products that are sustainable and good. Yeah. N wood. Everybody's getting, yeah, everybody's getting those like, like thick plastic. What are they called? Uh, not polymer. I can't remember the name for them. But anyway, they're like this, that thick plastic. Mm -hmm. But 
I did see one thing that was very helpful. It was that you take a piece of like wax paper and you fit it in the drawer and you cut it to size. And then when you go to the store, you take all the containers and you fit it in that piece of wax paper so that you don't overbuy or get the wrong size containers. Oh, yeah. Because wow, that's I, a lot of I know forethought. you have to have forethought. So there's also that yeah. you have to like empty out the drawer to do it, too. So that's that's a lot. I'm just saying. Yeah, it's not a bad idea. Yeah, it's a little over the top for me, to I be honest. <laughs> I did like very quickly look up the Amazon page for cereal dispensers. Mm-hmm. And I was like, stop it. <laughs> that's what I think it went too far. Yeah, because I was like, maybe I should get cereal dispensers. And, and that's what I also had asked him, like. Hey, do you do you like cereal? Because we don't we're not like big cereal. I love cereal, but he's not in the morning a big cereal eater. Right. So I like never buy it. So anyway, my younger one loves cereal. I love cereal. I just can't eat it, or I you know I'm gonna buy you a cereal. I'd be like six hundred pounds if I ate cereal like I did when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, just, just straight up cereal, mac bowl. and cheese every oh, day. So good. <laughs> anyway, that's my little detour so, for today. I, I hope everybody saw our message. If you're not on the Instagram, we totally understand, you know, forget it, social media, just never mind. But <laughs> what we're doing now is we're mm-hmm. doing full episodes every other week like you've yeah. been having. Yes. But we've heard a lot of feedback that sometimes it's a little much. It's a little too long. It's a little too long. In between, we're going to put uh, some shorter episodes, mm-hmm. calling them Nature Nuggets. Yes. So they're basically an extended science news. Therefore, we're going to take the science news out of these regular episodes. And we're just going to go... I'm just going to go straight to my story. Yeah. But for patrons, if you are really missing the science news, if you're like, I need I need more news, science news. Every month, we're going to do four science newsies. One a week. For the patrons. Yep. So there is that that will still be happening uh, you can be a patron for as low as $5 a month. You can. And you support us in this podcast, <laughs> which we, we honestly couldn't do it without. super grateful for. Yes. yes. So, so anyway, there's that. Good announcement. Thank you. With that, I shall... I'm ready. Get started. <laughs> Commence your story, Jen. I will. It's funny because we just got a message today from one of our Instagram listeners for this particular topic. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hmm. Doing that today. So here we go. I'm like, what? Who brought up? I did not read the messages. I think you you didn't look at messages today. (laughs) I looked at them and it was from Bunny Bite Bites. Oh, oh, yeah. (laughs) All right. I today will be talking about our little friends, beavers. And all of you just get your mind out of the gutter because this is a nature show. (laughs) I was just about to make a joke. I knew it. It's fine. But honestly, why? I mean, why do we have to keep finding names like slang for lady parts? Well, yeah. Well, and also I wonder, like, how did that... Are you going to talk about, like, how that came up? I'm going to talk about it. That's the first thing I'm going to talk about. I want to know, yeah, where did that come from? So I Googled it. Yeah, yeah. And this one, which I particularly dislike this one. Mm -hmm. I don't like this slang. I think it's, it's cringy. Yeah. So if you Google beaver, there's three definitions, okay? So one is a large amphibious quadruped rodent of the genus Castor. Hey. And then it goes on to say this animal formerly was valued and hunted for its secretions, see Castor, and for its fur, which is used in the manufacture of hats. So much so that beaver could mean hat from the 1520s. 
and then continued into the 19th century, even after hats began to be made of silk or other material. And I'll talk more about that later. The second definition for a beaver is a lower face guard of a helmet in the early 15th century. It's like, you know, the part that like opens and closes? Yeah. Yeah. That's also from the old French Bavière originally, which is also... I looked it up because I'm like, oh, it's kind of confusing. A child's bib, like an actual bib. Oh. And bob for saliva. So bib for your saliva? I guess. Interesting. And then the lower, the helmet thing. Hmm. So that's another, you didn't know that, yeah, did but you? I didn't know it's that. That's old word, old word for beaver. And then the third definition, female genitalia, <laughs> especially with the display of pubic hair. And this is by a 1927 British slang, ultimately from beaver, it says noun, perhaps transferring from an earlier meaning, a bearded man, and or directly from the appearance of a split beaver pelts. Okay. (laughs) All right. All right. All right. So that's what they, they, so all the times, so this was what it says, you know, but every time I looked it up, it was more about kind of describing one that's particularly furry sure lady parts <laughs> <laughs> i don't know and i guess mm. beaver were like a real thing back then you know like people were wearing sure. the coats and the hats and it is i don't know i mean i kind of get it in terms of like the, that one it's british and then the idea of like a bearded man which maybe goes back to the idea of the the beaver on the helmet that you're talking uh-huh. about like uh-huh. maybe that's kind of related i don't know but also i also, also don't like that word i, I don't rather... like it and when you think about beaver fur it's very like smooth and silky mm-hmm. tell me who like does their lady parts like that Jim, maybe that was a thing back then you don't have like a tiny a tiny flat iron <laughs> Just for down there, just in case. Just in some special oils to, like, <laughs> flatten it out and make it. <laughs> yeah. This conversation is great. I love it. Yeah, I also don't like the word. I don't like the term beaver as yeah. a, uh, whatever, euphemism, colloquial slang yeah. for lady parts. I prefer the C word over yeah, B, honestly. the B word. The B word. Yeah. But let's talk about beavers as actual animals. All right, let's do it. Because they're very proud of their name. Oh. They're like, I'm a beaver and I love it. So I like that. I like and that they probably me. also dislike that that slang. So like I said, they're from the genus Castor, semi-aquatic rodents, and they are keystone species oh. responsible for creating wetlands by building dams from trees and flooding waterways. I imagine most people are very familiar with them, but who knows? Mm-hmm. Depending so on what part, yeah. you might not be. Yeah. There are two species. There's the North American beaver, which is Castor canadensis. And there's the Eurasian beaver, which is Castor fiber. Cool. Just fiber. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I was looking for more there. Part of me is like, I mean, they eat a lot of wood. Linnaeus was like, eh, just fiber. Just the, there's a lot of roughage. It's fine. That they're consuming. Yeah. So the Eurasian beaver is a little bit longer and has a more a longer skull and triangular nasal cavities. And that's how you can tell the difference between the Eurasian and the North American species. The uh, North American species has lighter fur color and a narrower tail. Hmm. But they didn't confirm that until the 1970s when they actually started looking at chromosomal differences between the two. Mm-hmm. I think that's what they could do in the 70s. <laughs> they could probably do some more <laughs> genetics. I'm sure they have. But prior to that, they all thought it was the same species. Okay. Yeah. 
So they're also the second largest living rodents after the capybaras. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's so cute. North American beavers have stocky bodies, yellow, brown to nearly black coat, and broad, flat, scaly tail. But it's pretty much the same as the other ones. They have webbed rear feet and digitated front paws. And they have the stocky body, I guess, helps them conserve heat. They have long, dark orange visible incisors. Which we all we all yes. know that. Yes. I always think of the Disney beaver. Was it Lady and the Tramp? Yeah, and he's like whistles. Yeah. There's something that was just so great about that. Yeah. He was so cute. He was like a little foreman too. Yes. He like did all the things. Yeah. He was like an engineer, which they are. Yeah. And so the incisor grows continuously throughout mm-hmm. its life and it's worn down by chewing. And the teeth are also self-sharpening and they cleave like a little they call it a willow size of a person's finger in a single bite. So there's some pictures of the wood. If you haven't ever seen, you can kind of tell. Yeah. If you look at pictures of a tree that's been chewed on, which I put one in our photos in case anybody just wants to know. Also, if the incisors become too long, we talked about this with rats a little bit. It goes into their brain or something? No, God, no. (laughs) Oh, I don't know. It just said that they can't close their mouth all the way and they could starve. Oh. Which would be terrible. So I imagine if... There was a beaver that was really had a problem. Yeah. And couldn't wear like do their thing. Mm-hmm. That would that would be a That'd sad be a way slow, to go. Awful death. Mm-hmm. No, I was thinking about like ram torns, how they can like go back. Oh, yeah. I saw a picture of that. Into their heads. Ew. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not cool. Just right in the brain. Yeah. They're like, I'm very slowly feeling funny. <laughs> <laughs> Just really off. I feel like a little dizzy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Beavers move between aquatic and terrestrial environments. So their little front feet are good for walking or working on land, but they're not as, they're more susceptible to predators on land for sure. Mm. So they can pick up little sticks with their front paws. We've all seen it. So cute. And they can dig. Their hind feet are bigger. And like I said, they're webbed for swimming. There's no fur on them. Their hind feet also have a, this is cute. And this kind of reminds me of the rats too, similar. A preening toe. It's the second toe from the inside. I mean, it has like a double toenail. And so they use it to groom themselves. It's like a little tiny it's hairbrush. A preening, yeah, it's a little preening toe. That's and they cute. use it as a comb and they keep their fur really nice. I mean, maybe that's, you know, yeah, part of the idea for the, you know, the lady part. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, they need to keep it really smooth so that it can have its, you know, waterproofing. Oh, very things. similar to otters. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, and their little flexible toes also take out any kind of burrs or parasites. So like I said, on land, they're really awkward. They can be vulnerable to predators. But in water, they can swim up to six miles per hour oh, that's or so 10 kilometers per hour, depending on. I mean, it's no moose. They're no moose, but. True. It's, true. Uh, it's good. I mean, can I even swim six miles an hour? Who knows? I saw something that there was a video of a beaver racing, like seeing if they could beat Michael Phelps. Yeah. I didn't watch it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Somebody go watch that and let us know. Get it together. Um, they also can stay underwater for up to 15 minutes Ooh. while traveling over half a mile. So forget about it. All right. I'm pretty sure they could they could beat anybody on that. F- 15 minutes, half a mile. So what you're saying is that they don't do an eight minute mile. They do not. <laughs> but Yeah. So maybe they yeah, just, yeah. they're taking their time, but like, they yeah, put those off. together. I don't know if it's like separately, they could stay underwater for 15 minutes mm-hmm. and they can go over half a mile. Whatever. Sure, 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 sure. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, they have whiskers. They got whiskers. It's very cute. And they're helpful in like 
when they're in these dark passageways underwater. Mm. Their eyes have this thin, transparent membrane. It's um, called a nictitating membrane. <laughs> oh, yeah, like, <laughs> a, like a cat. Is, it, is that how you say it? Nistitating? Anyway. Close enough. You know, like a third eyelid. <laughs> yeah. And it pulls over the over their eye when they're doing things underwater. Mm-hmm. So they actually like everything kind of they're they're adapted for water, obviously. So everything kind of closes, like their right. nostrils, probably just like the otters. Yeah. But their sight is good only for short distances, like close range. Ears are small, rounded, adorable. And they have valves, like I said, that close when they're submerged. Their auditory sense is very well developed. The shape of the tail is an individual family trait. Oh, what? Yeah. So it varies from short to broad, long and narrow. It's totally hairless. It has like black scales on it. Mm -hmm. And I guess there's a distinct line where the first stops and the tail that starts. Begins. Yeah, but it depends on your family. They're like, oh, there's the short tails over there. <laughs> Maybe they like have nicknames for each other. Yeah. It's yeah. just like all these different clans of uh, like hobbit like <laughs> with like beavers based on like, how yeah. their tail is. Yeah, yeah. Proud I wonder... tail. <laughs> <laughs> Flappy tail. Yeah. <laughs> I want to think of more of those. But of course, you all know this. Their tails used as a rudder for swimming. When they're out of the water, they balance it to like work on. So when they want to stand back, it kind of balances their body weight. That's so great. I feel like Saber needs that. Yeah, my, my dog. Yeah, yeah, he definitely. Well, I feel like I would love that. that <laughs> Something would be to prop you up. Just like a like it's just always a stool that's like there. Yeah. It doesn't get in the way. Also, they store their fat in their tails. So just oh. put it all there. <laughs> that's like a Brazilian butt lift. <laughs> Beavers all have. Done deal. BBLs. It's right. Uh, yeah, just, that's how it is. So they eat more in the fall so they can survive fat stored in their tails through the winter. Mm. So that's that's pretty cool. Their vertebrae continues all the way to the end of the tail. North American beavers are the largest rodents in North America and second largest like in the world to the capybaras. They weigh between 35 to 65 pounds, which is quite a bit. 16 to 30 kilograms. Yeah. And the heaviest beaver on record weighed 110 pounds. That's... That's a chunky is it I mean individual right there. Was it just like was it like a giant tail or was it just like a bigger <laughs> it's like was a it a huge bigger fat beaver? Tail. Yeah. It's just big. 110 big pounds. That's like beaver. a human size. Where small human. Where did this beaver reside? Did it say? It doesn't say. Man. I know. And they're about three to four feet long or one to one point two meters. Mm-hmm. Trying trying to throw it out there That's for nice. a little That's nice. That's nice. When they stand up, they're about one to one and a half feet. So not very tall. Not very tall. Just round and adorable. But like thick. Just (laughs) chonks with big teeth. I kind of love them. I hope you guys love beavers as much as I do after (laughs) listening to this. (laughs) (laughs) I love beavers. I'm a juvenile. I'm sorry. Okay, continue. Anyway, back to talking about beavers. (laughs) They're so cute. Okay, their lifespan uh, for North American beavers. Beavers, they live to be about 10 to 12 years. And the oldest on record lived to be 30 years, but it was in human care. I guess that's how they knew it lived to be 30 years. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Oh, that's kind of a short lifespan. I'm sad for them. 10 to 12. I mean, they're kind of like giant cats. It's like, well, or dogs. Sure. I mean, I just compare everything to cats. I know, but I'm just saying (laughs) dogs usually live to be anywhere from 
you know, 10, 15 true years. That. Yeah. They can be found throughout North America with the exception of California and Nevada deserts and parts of Utah and Arizona. Makes sense. Makes sense. Not a lot of water happening there. They're, they're not trying to uh, go eat up those. What are those trees? Oh, my God. I don't know. I'm blanking out. They're like cruising through the desert <laughs> yeah. on a mission looking for the Joshua trees. Yeah, Joshua trees. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> So right. they live in ponds, lakes, rivers, marshes, streams, and adjacent wetland areas. They're herbivores. They like leaves. They like woody stems. They actually eat the wood. I was going to ask you. Yes. They munch on it, the soft yeah. part. Their chief building materials are also their preferred food. Mm-hmm. So poplar, aspen, willow, birch, and maple. It's like living in your own house made of food, like mm. a candy house. That would be pretty cool. That's neat. You just I like guess. You're like laying in bed. Just, watching TV, just you just start pull chewing off on a your piece wall. of your siding. Yeah. <laughs> just the trim. Uh, it's like, I'll get some tomorrow. I'm like, is this keto friendly? <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so they're mostly nocturnal throughout their range, but there's regions where the ponds freeze over throughout the winter season. Mm-hmm. And so they stay in these lodges, which I'll talk about in a minute, or under ice using their fat reserves oh. and feeding off the the food that they've stored. They also, and this is something that our Instagram listener mentioned. And Mm -hmm. so they secrete this gooey goo that smells like vanilla. So they say it's sometimes used in vanilla flavorings and that's true, but I'll talk a little bit more about it. It's called castorium, I think. Yeah, I think that's how you say it. It's a chemical compound that mostly, it comes from their castor sacs. So they have anal glands just like dogs and cats. And uh-huh. they have anal glands that they use to like mark stuff. Mm-hmm. And from the same butt butt region, you know, they <laughs> poo and they pee, but they also have castor sacs and they're right under the tail and they secrete this like brown slime. They say it's about the consistency of molasses uh-huh. and it smells like musky vanilla. Is that what castor oil is made from no castor remember we talked about the plants oh right that's right because the castor plant is actually very poisonous certain parts of it but the oil so no and it's an fda approved natural flavoring therefore if it wasn't something it might just say natural flavoring and not say where it's coming from but here's the thing so i read more about this most vanilla flavorings are from synthetic vanillas right this is a very rare thing to find and you've probably never eaten it Probably. They say they can only produce in the world like 300 pounds of it per year. And they used to get it from when they killed beavers all the time, right? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. they would get it from dead beavers. But now they get it from, I hate this, but I, I don't know where, if they have like some beaver farm somewhere or if they let them run around, but they anesthetize oh. a beavers and milk the glands. I don't even have the words right uh-huh. now. What? Yeah. What? And I, I I didn't go as far as to try and figure out where this is happening exactly. But I guess I mean, so do they like catch them? Anesthetize them and milk them. Milk it or yeah. wake them back up and re release them. Yeah, so they don't die from it. That's like, but it's that's no fun for anyone. That just sounds like a beaver essay. Yeah. Ugh. It's terrible. But I guess because there's so little of it produced now mm-hmm. and beavers are more or less protected. You yeah, know, in yeah. Europe and, and in the North America, people aren't killing them for it, but they used to. I mean, it used to be like a real thing. And it goes way back. 
But Jen, I want to know if you found in your searching for this, like, who was the first person to be like, mm, this molasses from this beaver ass tastes amazing. Well, apparently, if you get down into their junk, you smell it. And I'm sure whoever was killing them and then skinning them. Right. Okay. Okay. So what they used to do is they used to take, so when they were killing them and taking the pelts and yeah. they would eat the meat. Yeah. Right. So I guess it's, you know, they used every part of it, but they would get those caster sacks and they would smoke them and then sell it so i guess it would be used in anything that's mostly perfumes because it's kind of like a thick musky oh you mean thing. you mean like dry it out like dry it like smoke not smoke i was, <laughs> <laughs> I was well just, i'm not saying maybe just somebody like, just tried just like, like some old kind of smell like some that. old trapper with like a corn cob <laughs> pipe just sticking <laughs> beaver but sack sacks it is just smoking what i'm not saying it hasn't happened uh, i mean i don't know but they smoked it too like dry it yeah, and then yeah, yeah. they would sell it to people who would make perfumes and that kind of stuff oh my god so a little history oh no Jen. castorium has been an ingredient for thousands of years apparently there's evidence of it getting harvested as early as the roman empire oh, dang Roman times, doctors recommended it for ailments such as, like, I swear they just found anything and they're like, this will make you feel better. This will be great. So headaches, gout, and it was, like, sold pretty widely in pharmacies. This mm -hmm. is why beavers, like, disappeared from the world. And it was really popular all the way up to the 1800s. So today, I guess it's more, you can find it. This is a prominent use. It's in the ingredients of the Swedish schnapps called BVRHJ. So if you want to try BVR HJT, sounds really good. I mean, but do they have like a little tiny farm of beavers? I I wonder if they have a beaver like on the label, a little sustainable beaver farm. But during the Middle Ages, the high, there was a higher demand for beaver pelts, and castorium was just it was like a byproduct. They right. were like, we want the fur. We're not too interested They're, in yeah, this. Yeah. So they were mostly hunted for that, and then later, I guess what happened is they wiped out all the beavers from Europe. Pretty much. Mm -hmm. And then when they came over to North America during, you know, colonization, they were like, well, there's a lot. There's a lot of them here. And so they just started like picking them off. So <laughs> so that's when it started becoming big with perfumes and uh, such. Oh, God, Jen. So in high school, mm -hmm. I was like super into this perfume. And it was called, called Beaver Bus. It was called Vanilla Musk. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting. Oh no. I'm starting to really oh, no, wonder. Baby. Like <laughs> I was like really into it because it was like very vanilla y. I don't Vanilla like... Musk? Yes. It was That's called a... how can that be? Vanilla I don't understand how Musk. that can be a perfume. I it was the only thing that I liked because it was super subtle and it was like Like to me it just smells like a candle. Yeah. You're it like, was great. I want to smell like a candle. I just want to, you know, vanilla. Or beaver butts. Nice, <laughs> vanilla's a nice smell. Oh, God. You might have to Google that and see what it was made of. It was F it's FDA approved. So. Oh, God. Anyway, moving on. We all know that beavers, Megan's looking at that while I'm talking. <laughs> we all know that beavers are nature's engineers. Mm -hmm. They're one of the few animals that modify their habitat. As we know, a lot of people know this, but I'm just going to talk about it. They build these watertight dams and they use sticks and they weave, like, weave it with reeds, branches, saplings. And then they use mud to hold it all together, like a caulking. Mm -hmm. Beavers and caulking. <laughs> <laughs> so dams reduce stream erosion by forming slow-moving ponds. The ponds serve as habitat for a lot of other small aquatic life. And they also provide food for larger animals. That's how they're keystone species. 
because when they build the dams, they're basically making habitat for all of these other animals. Right. That's very cool. Yeah. Jen, I just really want to quickly tell you that when you look up the word musk, as it's used in perfumery, mm-hmm. does make a mention that anything labeled as a musk does include glandular secretions from animals such as musk deer, uh, some plants, and things that have similar odors. It doesn't necessarily say beaver, oh, but it's there. Oh, I'm just it's saying there. it's a vanilla musk. This is it. It was... Castor glands. It was my favorite. It was my favorite. I wore it for like, gotta be 10 years. This is why I love Megan. Oh my God. She wore vanilla musk. That's so good. This is blowing my mind. Okay, continue. (laughs) Anyway, so, okay, I'm going to start talking about something here that leads into other things, which I just love and makes me just love the beaver so much. (laughs) Amazing. They also build, so, okay, they build dams. They also build these like lodges. They're like a dome. And I think people have seen them. They can get as high as like almost seven feet. Wow. And they reach, the width of 39 feet, mm-hmm. which is huge. I don't know why it's 39, why it can't round up to 40, but right. that's what it says. They stop at 39. Or they, maybe it's because it. they said 12 meters and that equals 39 feet. Right, right, I'm right. not sure. But one lodge can have one or more underwater entrances. So you can only mm-hmm. get in from underwater. And there's living quarters that are located on top of the lodge. Like they build little platform on the water line. Yeah. So they usually build these lodges away from the shore. And they can form an island that, of course, like entered underwater, but each chamber can be four feet wide and two feet high. So somebody's oh. room, basically. It has uh, high insulated walls, one third of a meter thick and ventilated by small air holes that in the roof like a chimney. That's cool. It's super elaborate. And then there's like a teenager room and like... There's like a den. I mean, it's basically yeah. like, this is our dining area. Yeah. This is, yeah, this is our kids' room. And, like, the beaver family is all eating dinner. Yes. the teen is like, I don't want to eat my green beans. Why are you so mean to me, Mom? Yeah, (laughs) they storm out and go to their little... Slam their little beaver door. (laughs) (laughs) So the floor is covered with wood shavings to absorb, like, moisture Mm -hmm. and provide bedding. And the beavers will spend the summer and fall building these dams or and lodges and then store the food for winter in there. That's super smart. This is crazy. The world's largest beaver dam or lodge stretches almost a quarter of an acre that's 2788 feet or 850 meters and it's in northern alberta and it was spotted from a satellite image from space in 2007 (laughs) and the scientists were like holy crap and they think that it's multiple generations of beavers that have been working on it since the 70s yeah, like Pawpaw Beater, Beaver from <laughs> way back. He built the first one and they've just been going. So like when they saw it on the satellite, it's, were they like, whose bunker is this? And yeah. It's just like a beaver family. They were worried. It's like some, yeah. It's some, a mansion. Like, it's a man. It's basically. Or like, what is it when like a family lives on like all together in a. You're talking about Ohana? Like a commune. Ohana property. Oh, a commune. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it's like, Yeah. Or it's super creepy and it's like the, the, you know, the latest like haunted the house and all the people have been shot. But what are those guns? Why can't I think of what they're called? I I would know it just like talking regularly. But now we're here in front of the microphone. I don't remember her name. I don't know. I Yeah, I was thinking this like it's going to be super Winchester. Creepy. The Winchester. House oh, like the Winchester house. Yeah. Yes. It's just she like, just kept building. She just kept building. Keep the ghosts away. Yeah. Yeah. It's something like that. Or it's super creepy because it's like a NIM thing. Yeah. Okay, right. Yeah, sure. Because they're rodents. 
Anyway, this guy, they say explorer Rob Mark became the first person to ever reach the dam because apparently it's very secluded, which I guess is how they've just been that makes sense. doing their thing since the 70s. And everyone's like, holy crap. <laughs> what is that? So this is leading to that they have very strong family bonds. They're very social. And each group is made up of one breeding pair. And that year's kits, because mm. that's what they call their babies. Kits. Then the surviving offspring from the previous year, which are the yearlings. And there also may be like some other sub-adults that are two years or older that still hang out with them. Oh. They're still hanging on. They're going to college. Yeah. They're, get, they're coming home on the I'm weekend to watch masters. <laughs> so it, they'll stick around and they usually aren't breeding yet. And they're just like still living with their parents. Right, right, right. Because especially if they have like a house that cozy, they're like, I'm just going to stay here. But the males, like young males, will start building their lodge and make it really nice and hoping to find a female. Hmm. That's so cute. They generally think that they pair for life or they're hmm. monogamous. Yeah. And they breed in the winter from January to late February and the females give birth in the spring. So in the winter, the family groups all live together in their lodge and they share food from their food supply. Mm -hmm. I wonder if they all contribute or if they're like somebody's just lazy. <laughs> and they didn't contribute and they're like hmm uncle carl they're just they just give him side eye all winter yeah they're like look how much he's eating and he didn't do anything did you even see him out there collecting i didn't even see I him do anything so what was weird. he doing yeah jesus christ the family life is very stable they say and it's based on the hierarchy from like the adults you know on the top it's basically <laughs> like our life it's just sure. exactly the same you mean like well, supposedly it might, be, it might be the same yeah it might be the same as yours i feel like mine is like cats on the top <laughs> then like my cat then my kid and then saber and then me like that's the hierarchy <laughs> in this house uh so but they say physical aggression is very rare and vocalizations gestures postures are used within the lodge to communicate Mm -hmm. issues like for dominance but they're pretty chill like mm. they don't fight they're just like you guys they're just it's... like passive aggressive probably <laughs> or they're just like really they've all been in therapy for a long time i know they all know the right words to use they might be good communicators so megan's still reading the ingredients of the uh <laughs> vanilla musk perfume she wore for 10 years of her adolescence it was uh what does it say it probably says natural vanilla musk <laughs> That's totally it. Because they say since it's FDA approved, they don't have to say like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all natural. This is beaver it, it says natural vanilla musk, cedarwood, and sandalwood. Are Just in think about this what mixture. those beavers went through. Jesus Christ. I'm so sorry, beavers. Just kidding. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe we'll it's from deers. Know. It could be from deers. It's fine. But they didn't have vanilla. They don't have castor sacks. That's okay. That's right. Jesus. I'm glad we've learned something today about your past. <laughs> I love that. So what do you think you call a group? A group of beavers? Beavers. You know, I've been sitting here like, what do you call a group of beavers? And mm -hmm. I I mean, maybe like, I don't know. I was going to say a float, but that's like a thing. That's already a thing. Or Wasn't that otters? Yeah, that was otters. Yeah. I don't know why it popped in my brain, but I was thinking about like, you know, some kind of raft or something. But Or something where they're like, they're workers. Just engineers. Engineers. It's actually pretty boring. Oh. They're called a colony. Or oh. a family. I like a family. A family is better. Let's go with family. I like family, too, because yeah. they're very family oriented. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we are family. <laughs> I think you would hear it whenever yeah. like you walk past like a big heap of stuff and you're like, what is that? And it's just like in the background, just very faint. Yeah. Yeah. Where's that coming from? <laughs> anyway, babies, which are kids, 
are born. Um, they weigh about one pound. Their eyes are open and they're completely covered in fur already, oh, which wow. is so adorable. That is cute. Yeah. They have little tiny little buck teeth. And they start going in the water right away while they're still in the lodge an hour after they're born or sooner. Like mom going for a swim. <laughs> they're like, hey, good to be here. I'm going to swim. Hi, but everyone. <laughs> I guess they're really good swimmers within a week, but they can't. They're too buoyant to dive, Aww. which is cute. Yeah. So they stay close to their mom in the lodge for the first few weeks, nursing and getting bigger. Females have four nipples. They sometimes sit upright to nurse, which I think is... That's cute. I, I picture like her sitting up with all the kids nursing and she's like sitting back, like rocking on her tail. Right. And like flipping through Netflix <laughs> yeah, in the yeah. middle of the night. <laughs> the husband's just passed out. Watching asleep. documentaries. Yeah. Yeah. He's just snoring and she's just like, God, look at this guy. Look at this. <laughs> anyway, I just kind of love it. I don't know why you need to know this, but they say there's evidence of teat sharing among kids. Which may explain the high survival rate for all the members of oh. a large litter. So, like, they, they might have like six pu- six kids, sure, sure, but sure. four nipples. But you know what? They share. That's nice. Yeah. I, you know what? It seems like beavers are really well adjusted. I've kind of. I told you, you're gonna love beavers by the end of this. They're yeah. so cool. There's so many. I'm gonna tell you so many cool things about it that by the end of this, you're gonna like get a beaver calendar <laughs> or a sticker. <laughs> <laughs> definitely gonna get a beaver calendar get it up here in the pod room okay <laughs> you might even want to dress as a beaver for halloween next year <laughs> it just keeps listen i'm just rolling some ideas out i like it and i'm just saying i mean i have been considering what am i gonna wear for halloween this coming year and yes i had you know this year i i did the whole like what's it called from Nadia Nadia from what we do in the shadows yeah but I have been considering that I would be Linda from Bob's Burgers because that seems like a fun right. costume but I don't know now, I'm just throwing out maybe I'm gonna be a beaver be a beaver I mean I feel like after this it's gonna be at the top of the list at least so they nurse for about six weeks and all the members of the family bring them food like solid food oh wow which I just think is they really have their shit together be I think beaver. we could learn a lot. Yeah. We could learn a lot from them. I mean, they work really hard. They store their food. They have good family dynamics. They have high survival rates for their kids because they take good care of them. The kids share. They share. They become the semi- older kids yeah. stick around and help out. In other species, I've seen that called cooperative breeding, like where the older ones stick around and help right. raise the younger ones. Yes. You know, then it's not considered altruistic because you're basically contributing to the survival of your siblings, Mm -hmm. you know, big picture. So anyway, I think they're cool. So on land, the mothers carry their kits on their tails, sometimes even walking like straight up and holding them with their paws. Oh, in the water, the kits um, rest on their mother's back. Mm -hmm. The young remain with their parents, like I said, for two years and they help with, they say, lodge maintenance. Nice. (laughs) And then I guess when it's time for the mom to have a new litter, she's like, shoo, 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 <laughs> go do your thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could still have your room, live with your sister yeah. or your brother or whatever. Take care of your janitorial duties. Do the main, you got to do your thing. <laughs> you got to yeah. contribute to the household because mm-hmm. I got some new babies on the way. The most common predators for beavers are coyotes, foxes, bobcats, otters. Otters. And owls. I want to do an episode on owls oh, so bad. Owls. 
was. Yeah. I, oh, gosh. I just listened to... I've been on the still listening to Dateline, guys. Like, it's going to take me, like, a while. <laughs> but there was this really interesting episode about somebody kind of mysteriously dying. And somebody was like, could have been an owl. And oh, wait, everyone's... Are, you t- are you talking about the staircase murder? Yes. And they're like, oh, she had all these lacerations on her head. And there was yes. like this owl and it yes. could have been an owl attack. And there's like all these people who yes. have that theory. Yes, I love that. I love I, I'm totally going to do an episode more about that. I Everyone's like, that's stupid. But me, I'm like, totally possible. Owls are insane. I mean, yeah. the talons on them. Yeah. Also, they're silent. And they're si- Yes. So I used to, in college, I used to take my dog Every day we'd go to mm-hmm. this baseball field that nobody ever used. And I would get, you know, those things that sling oh, the throw, ball yeah. like super mm-hmm. far. I think it's called like a sling it. And yeah. I would throw the ball until she just wore out. Right. Yeah, that was yeah. her like run time. And before I could get her used to getting the ball and bring it back, I used to use like a squeaky ball yeah, because she liked it. And she almost got picked up by an owl. Well, <laughs> I don't think it could have gotten her because yeah. she was pretty big. But the owls were swooping because they heard the squeaking. And oh, then no. saw her running. I was like, oh, my God, get to the car. <laughs> and after that, I was like, we can't use a squeaky toy. <laughs> we can never do that again. And every time I would, I would like, because it would be around dusk, you know, end of the yeah. day. And yeah. I was like looking around like for owls and they were there. Well, yeah. Uh, when when I was working at the Nature Center in Georgia, we had screech owls. I, I got to show screech owls, which are very tiny and super mm-hmm. cute. But there were also very large, you know, like barn owls. There was a great, I think they had a great horned owl. I can't remember exactly. And they were like, you have to go through special training to be able to handle them because of the claws. They're just so powerful. Yeah. They break your hands. Yeah. I totally was like, that could happen. It's possible. It's totally possible. But anyways, they say that they can usually fend off predators, but Mm -hmm. their most effective protection is to get into these shelters they've made and being close by water because they can go underwater and be like a coyote's going to be like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So here's some fun facts for your next party. Oh. I know we don't have any parties for a while, but you never know. You know. It's possible. Possible. April 7th is International Beaver Day. Oh, fun. I guess I could have waited and done this episode in April, but, you know, fail is what it is. Beavers are Canada's national symbol. I did not know that. They said Canadians selected the beaver as their national symbol because not because of its ecological engineering qualities. Because they're so But mainly because of its fur. And the fur trade helped Canada become what it is today. And it was highly coveted back when. That makes more sense. I was thinking it's because they're just like really nice. (laughs) they're just they just have like a canadian attitude they're like hey it's all good they're just like fine they're just so chill yeah yeah Yeah. they're just looking down at americans shaking their head yeah here's another one Mm -hmm. beaver teeth are orange and we've all seen it yeah we're always like ew but they're orange because there's this iron rich protective coating of enamel on their teeth so what you're saying is that we should all get iron enamel put on our teeth. Listen, let's bring let's bring some uh, orange, orange teeth. teeth back. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's be cool. Here's another fun fact. Beavers used to be giant, which everything kind of used to be, right? Yeah, Either yeah. it was really small or really big. Yeah. They didn't have the characteristic flat tail, the giant beavers of the Ice Age, and the extinct genus Castoroids, which is like, sounds weird. It's like castor and hemorrhoids. <laughs> <laughs> basically yeah i guess they looked very similar to how they look now just like insanely bigger mm-hmm. they could get eight feet long and weigh 200 pounds no thank you that's like a bear basically that is a bear i mean it's just like a swimming bear <laughs> and there's another fun this is a fun fact that i was like huh? but 
It said beavers do not bite off their own testicles. Wait, what? <laughs> I was like, why is that? Why is that? A thing? I'm sure beavers are like really. There's like lore out there that be- beavers accidentally bite. I off guess their own up into the 1100s, because you know people thought. Oh, I mean, get it on. together, 1100s. People, people thought that they did. <laughs> the myth originated in ancient Egypt, and I'm like, were there beavers in ancient Egypt? But I guess I don't know. Somebody took a boat up to you know. Somebody did something. Yeah, modern day Europe. Right. Sure. So ancient Egypt, and it reappeared in medieval Europe. And the story went that beavers, new hunters, were after them for their castorium, for oh. their their castor for their sacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they thought, I guess they thought it was like in their testicle. I don't know. So I guess it wasn't hard to disprove. But the problem is, is that beaver testicles don't hang outside of their bodies. Oh, okay. So maybe... That's what they thought. They were like, oh, they don't have any. They must I guess there off. were a couple of misconceptions. First, maybe they thought it was in their testicles. That's like, And a- then they didn't see any testicles. So they're like, it they was must like. bite them off. They must bite them off. And they look at those teeth. I mean, they might accidentally. <laughs> they're just down, nibbling down there. And then like accidentally just bite I off mean, their te- own testicles. You know, Jen, maybe it was That like, would be a very bad adaptation <laughs> to what anything. If, I was going to say, what if it was like an evolutionary adaptation that they that there were beavers who back in the day did accidentally bite their testicles and they didn't make it, right? Obviously, they didn't right, procreate. Right, right. And then the ones who did had the internal testicles. Oh, well, with, you, know mean, you know what? Science. Evolution. <laughs> that's some great, that's some good science. Natural history. Okay, last one is dams help beavers avoid ice. I thought this was cool. So the beavers build dams for a lot of reasons, but one is so that the lake behind it, behind their dam, Mm -hmm. will get deep enough because if they block up the water that it doesn't freeze all the way during winter. That's smart. And then they have access. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're so smart. So now I'm going to talk about beaver attacks. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, at some point in this episode, I know you're going to talk about beaver attacks. And this is just so... We already know that they're great. Yeah. And these beaver, I'm using air quotes. You can't see it, but beaver attacks. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's just talk about it. According to Wikipedia, because Wikipedia knows everything, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's only one known fatal beaver attack recorded. I'm sure, you know, back in the day when they thought they bit off their testicles, there might have been some back then. Mm-hmm. But according to this 2013 article in The Guardian that I read, there was this fisherman from Belarus and he was driving, and this is from this article. So this is, I'm not sure if this is complete fact, Mm -hmm. but there are several articles about it. You can look it up. He was driving with friends towards this lake that I can't pronounce, Shetaskovskoy. Perfect. Mm -hmm. It's west of the capital, Minsk. Mm -hmm. Okay, I guess they were driving and then he saw a beaver on the side of the road and he stopped the car. He's like, look at the beaver. And he went out to grab the animal to have his picture taken. (sighs) And it bit him several times. Weird. I mean, it's so strange. And one of the bites cut a major artery in oh. his leg. Oh, no. And he died. So I guess his friends couldn't stop the bleeding. And he was pronounced dead by the time he got to the hospital. Oh, wow. So that's a bad way to go. Just, it's a really bad way. I'm like, silly. was he drunk? <laughs> yes. What was happening? Why are you going out and grabbing a wild beaver to get a photo? I'm just saying. Oh, goodness. Yeah. We all know, like, silly you know selfie stories, well yeah but... w- weird things can happen you know mm-hmm. so i don't really consider that that he attacked a human no not at all so moving on yes now we're going to talk about zombie beavers <laughs> aka what? rabid beavers <laughs> they do get rabies <laughs> right, but right. i kind of like this zombie beavers because sure. that's how they're described in all of these attacks 
So this actually sounds completely horrifying. And so I'm going to talk about it. There was in 2019, there was a group that was attacked along the Calpature River. And this is in Virginia. I think regular Virginia, not the North Virginia. Not West Virginia. Or I'm sorry, West North Virginia. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, West Virginia. You have not lived on the continent (laughs) in such a long time. Sorry, I I was confusing Carolinas. Okay, (laughs) yeah, West. state names. I'm going to call it North Virginia from now on. (laughs) Sorry, all you West Virginians. I didn't mean to. Okay, so the group leader, his name was Travis Nicely. That's a good name for a group leader. Yeah. You know, you feel like good. He reported that he initially spotted the beaver as it approached his group. I I don't know if he's like with a group that he's taking around the river. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure what exactly they were doing. But they said after failing to climb the rock Travis was on, the beaver turned and began biting this lady of his group as they were trying to move a child out of the water. So I'm like, think of this kid. They're in the water. I'm just thinking about this kid. Like traumatized forever, never with gonna a be okay rabid, with yeah, zombie beaver attacking oh. your, you know, auntie or whatever, or mom or who knows. So he posted this all online. He described trying to beat the beaver away by with his hand several times, and then with the fishing pole before getting the swimmers out of the water. And then all of them were on rocks. I guess he was able to shoot it, which um, I'm totally like, yeah, yeah. I mean, anything that's rabid that's attacking you, there's you, you probably, don't hold back. You yeah. just get it dead. Yeah. Because it kept circling and like lunging at them. And I guess the lady had several bites and she had to go and, of course, get treatment for that and then get rabies mm-hmm. treatments. Um, they did turn over the dead carcass, the beaver carcass to the fishing game. Yeah. And reported it and they confirmed it was rabies. Oh. Yeah. So I guess in his post, he referred to the the beaver as a zombie beaver and that's where it kind of fit in and i was like yep that sounds about right i like it and so this incident was i guess one of many Mm. over in not just in virginia or north virginia (laughs) (laughs) not even south virginia (laughs) or east virginia all the the virginias it was only in it's kind of all over so there's another one that happened in pennsylvania during Mm. august of 2019 and this one's so creepy, too, is a guy, a man and his seven-year-old daughter were attacked while they were kayaking. This oh. was not part of my kayaking episode. This was in Adams County. His name was Dan or is Dan Worley. And he put on his Facebook post that he beat the animal with his kayak paddle, rocks and stick because it started going after his daughter when she was trying to get on shore. Yeah. This poor kid. And he is a quote he said, or what he wrote was about five more big rocks to the head and it swam away a little bit, then came right back. I grabbed a big stick and smacked it on the head five times as hard as I could. Dang. It's like a Michael Myers beaver. I know. So they were able to kill it. And the Pennsylvania game officials confirmed it also had rabies. Oh, man. Yeah. Another non-fatal beaver attack included this one. So sad. It doesn't tell the story, but... It says a mauling of an 83-year-old woman in Falls Church, Virginia in 2012. There was also in 2012 a beaver attacked a 51-year-old Boy Scout leader in New York. Ooh. And the boys, the, I say, say the members of his troop killed it with rocks. Like all the boys were like, ah, just like throwing <laughs> rocks. It's like, good grief. At least they killed it. Yeah. 2007, a 14-year-old boy, it says adult woman, I don't know if like family member, were also attacked by what they confirmed was a rapid beaver north of, I'm not sure where this is, Lock Raven Dam in Towson, Maryland. Hmm. 2016, two people in Connecticut were attacked by a beaver in the Quinnebog River. 
that's near the Pomfret Killingly town line. And that prompted officials to advise boaters and swimmers to stay out of the water. That beaver actually was not tested. Maybe either wasn't, they didn't kill it. Right. There's a few cases where they couldn't catch it or kill it and it wasn't. It's just still. It's still out there today. Still out there just (laughs) being a zombie. That really definitely did. I wonder, you know, when I think about these things like zombie beavers Mm -hmm. and what happens to their family group. Do they just like lock the door to their lodge? They're like, don't let Uncle Fred in. Maybe, maybe because the beavers are so polite that if they get rabies, they, they just, just know they just walk off into the uh, wilderness. They like say goodbye to their family, you know. Yeah, right. like I got, you know, they. Well, they I mean, animals instinctively know when something's yeah. wrong with one of their pack or whatever. Yeah. They so just I don't shut know. Shut all the doors. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> so, so sad. Um, and both, and I'm wondering, like, how do they even get it? I mean, they obviously. I was going to ask you, yeah. How? What is the transmission? Is it maybe they got it from like some other? Yeah, I, like a raccoon comes and stays over or something. I'm not sure. Blame the raccoons. Also in 2016, a North Carolina resident, Betsy Bent, who was attacked by a beaver as she was paddleboarding on a lake with her husband. That's just so scary. Because you're trying to keep your balance as it is. Yeah. And then the some kayak, like the kayak, 60 pound. Yeah. Like, the, the kayak or the like boat. Not so bad. But like on a paddleboard. Yeah. yeah. So she said they said a passing angler or fisherman helped beat the beaver off her uh, and brought her to shore. And they later trapped and, you know, they inspected say, dis- it. dispatched <laughs> yeah. yeah, the animals. So they, and it was tested positive for rabies. Oh, wow. And both Connecticut and the North Carolina cases, they were really worried about this virus spreading to other resident beavers. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that I think, you know, in that area, they might've done some sort of like trap and release type situation mm. to just check. For like their vital signs or whatever. Yeah, I don't know you. how you. I mean, it might. I don't know how yeah. they would know if they can do like a blood test. Isn't it like I remember you telling me the only way to really know for sure is that you have to remove the head, right? Yeah, for rabies. Yeah, yeah, I know mm. that. Attacks aren't only limited to freshwater. In 2014, there was an incident with a saltwater snorkeler attacked by a beaver off the coast of Nova Scotia. Oh, and the, he the snorkeler received five rounds of rabies shots as a precaution, but they never caught it or were able to test it. That's impressive that it was just like in the ocean, like saltwatery. Yeah. <laughs> so want more? Yes. Go check out this uh, 2014 movie called Zombievers. <laughs> what? And when you look up Zombievers, and I can't play the trailer because you know copyright stuff, but yeah. you can go listen to it. Yeah. But the the line is, they'll damn you to hell. And I'm please... I'm going to watch that tonight. Please go watch the trailer. It's basically... I mean, it's supposed to like horror comedy B-movie, but I mean, it is scantily clad girls dumb you know it's like the typical kind of like people you wouldn't care about that got okay but the beavers are like hey like, they're like <laughs> flying out of the water all crazy and the one thing i didn't like is they had this cute little dog i think it's like a oh, Ru- yeah. jack russell that i believe totally gets killed by beavers Aww. and i'm like i will never watch this movie that's not cool i'm just looking at the the poster for it oh and just- the beaver art is something else something else, else. Oh, um, yeah. also and i'm seeing this is the weirdest okay you this guys. is the weirdest from the guys that brought you american pie uh-huh all right i get it beaver joke uh-huh. Uh-huh. cabin fever and the ring 
Like yeah. that combination of movies. <laughs> it just doesn't. <laughs> it does not. No. No. I feel like, yes, this is somehow. Looks wow. very campy. Yeah. If you're into that, go check it out. I, I, I'm not. I can't. <laughs> I can't sit for those movies. I used to. I don't think I can there actually. Was a time I, I when just I was young. Earlier I was... said that I was going to watch it. I don't actually. Just seeing that poster, Jen, I don't think I can watch that movie. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. Right. I'm just like, why are you guys going to do this to beavers? Because they want, they're like, zombievers. And then they're like, we got to make a movie. Yeah. Because that's just, you can't, that just sounds so You can't good. have a name like that and then not do anything with it. Exactly. When they first talked about it, I was like, that's not real. And I looked it up and I was like, wow. That so happened. many things are real. That happened. They'll damn you to hell. <laughs> I wonder if that's a line in the movie. I'm probably. I hope so. Oh, and there's some like kind of like rednecky kind of guy in there that finds the kids. He's like, what are y'all doing? Oh, we're looking at beavers. He's like, those beavers. He's like something about he makes a kind of a weird thing about beavers. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. OK, moving on. Let's talk about the human impact. Yeah, on beavers because Let's. rabies not their fault. If somebody grabbed me off the side of the road and tried to get a picture with me, I might you know bite, bite their a- aorta for sure. <laughs> I mean, come on. So in North America, let's go back. Let's go back in time a little bit. Beavers are the classic story of American conservation at its worst and at its best. I did not write that. (laughs) Are you sure? That is true. During the 19th century, their pelts were very valuable commodity in North America. And much of the exploration of the New World developed from the fur trade. We kind of know this. Mm -hmm. Even wars like the French and Indian War were fought over access to beaver trapping areas Mm. and i did put a map in that kind of shows all the posts and isn't there some show now on it's been out for a long time but it's all about like the fur trade and it has jason momoa in it yes yes i started watching it and then i stopped yeah it wasn't i wasn't super into it i wasn't too into it i feel like my husband may have watched more than i did but i was like yeah anyway so yeah that stuff like lots of we're gonna get furs and trade them and that happened, and beavers were obviously very sought after. But they say in pre-colonial times, you could basically find them everywhere in North Amer- in the North American continent. There were tens of millions, possibly hundreds of millions. I've seen anywhere from like sixty million all the way up to like four hundred million wow. when I've been reading this stuff across the entire continent. And you know, obviously, they were doing their work. Mm-hmm. They're ecological engineers, right? They're making all the water work the way it's supposed to for other animals. Yeah. Also, for thousands of years, Native Americans trapped beavers for fur and meat without ever depleting the population. The population. It's just like the colonizers landed and they went beavers and bison Mm -hmm. as far as the eye can see. Yeah. So they went after beaver pelts and it was very like they would get a lot of money from it in Europe, especially for making those hats. Beaver mm-hmm. felt hats were like a thing. And I put a picture of one because I'm like, what did this look like? Yeah, I all know. I can think of is a raccoon hat. No, they're but, like a like top a... hat, but they're like fur. They're like smooth oh. fur on it. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so that was a very, it was very motivating for French and British frontiersmen to move west and north across North America. So beginning in the late 1600s, beavers were very affected by the ways that European people explored and settled throughout the continent. Mm-hmm. Oh, and actually, that the name of that show that Jason Momoa is in is called Frontier. Oh, there we go. 
There you go. Perfect. Okay. So the rising availability of beaver pelts in North America coincided with the declining numbers of native European beavers. Remember I was telling you how they pretty much wiped those out? Right. And then when they came up, they're like, whoa, there's like a lot lot of them here. Let's just go for these. Let's wipe these out too. (laughs) So for two centuries, they were trapped and sold by the thousands without ever... No one ever like maybe just taking a second to think about that they might be depleting the population like Mm -hmm. they had. For example, between 1853 and 1877, the Hudson Bay Company alone shipped nearly 3 million beaver pelts to England. Jesus, And no one stopped to think. I just, I mean, I get it. Like people maybe didn't. They're making a lot of money. I guess didn't. Was there anyone thinking about conservation ever? They just weren't the cool kids. I don't know. I just I feel like every historical drama that I see, there's always like that one person who is thinking about those things and very sad about it. A lot of times it's a woman. Uh huh. And it's like who you has know, no say. No say. But also I feel like, yeah, it's like the, the capitalism is such a force, Jen. Making money is such a force. Yeah. I mean, like, how do you reckon with that? I, I just had that very deep conversation with my son the other day. It was right. I had to be like, all right, I can't. Can Let me I, tell you the snack. woes of the world. Yeah. Well, so beaver pelts were so prevalent in that during that time that they even u- were used as a form of currency or like exchange in place of money. How much sugar? Like, can I get a pound of sugar? That'll be three be- beaver pelts. Right. Something like that. Jesus. Along with that, with the West, you know, that Western movement of trappers and trading companies, there were also all the loss of Native American cultures. Mm -hmm. The colonizers (laughs) moved to those traditional Native homelands and, you know, brought their guns and traps. And uh, some of them married into Native communities and settled with them and learned subsistence skills from Native teachers and Mm -hmm. but all brought this new economy with them. I'm going to talk about somebody in a minute, but hold on. The fur trade was so strong for 200 years that by 1900, the beaver population was nearly wiped out. Jesus. They say there was only about 100,000 that remained mostly in Canada. I did read in another article that there were, in in the U.S., mm-hmm. that there were people looking for them, couldn't find them, and they were asking people from Canada, or they were going up into Canada to look for some. All of them lived in that one lodge. In Alberta. Yeah. <laughs> right? They're all there. <laughs> and also, you know, they say it could have been that the change in fashion, like those silk hats. Went out um, of fashion? No, silk hats replaced the beaver felt. Oh, yeah. And became more stylish mm-hmm. in Europe. And so that could have helped a little bit. Through all this decimation of these guys, without them to maintain the dams, the barricades broke and decayed. And as a result, literally millions of water catchments dried up. Ponds mm. became meadows. And meadows became forests or agricultural land. Oh, wow. So it really changed the whole landscape. Landscape, yeah. And it, you know, reversed all this work that I guess they had done for all these years. So it reduced the ecological richness and biodiversity on a large scale. So it's just one more piece of the way that not only were they gone, but it affected all these other species Mm -hmm. because they also lost their habitat. Oh, man. It's wild to think about it. Like this chain reaction in the UK, because I'm going to talk a little bit about them here. The beavers that once were native to the UK were hunted to extinction, like I said, 300 to 400 years ago. They were hunted as vermin sometimes or for their fur and meat. 
it was all, you know, a big deal over there too. But all had died out across Europe by the 18th century, almost. There were about, they say, 1,200 left in some parts of Europe. But since the 1950s, populations have been recovering. There's a lot of increase in Central and Western Europe. Between 1960 and 2016, the population increased by, they say, 16,000%. It's with its range increasing in size by 800%. So a lot. Yeah. yeah. Recovery was possible think, because they put bans on hunting. They per- try to protect the species. And they've done some reintroductions, which I'll talk about next. But I'm going to go back to Canada and the U.S. Mm. So eventually they started passing laws to protect beaver. This was in the early 1900s. And, you know, they've had a comeback. So today, the North American population is estimated to be 10 to 15 million beavers. So going back to in Canada, I just want to talk about this real quick because I thought it was interesting. They started to attempt to bring you know, reverse this decline. Mm -hmm. And it was led by this guy and because they were seeing like the numbers are really dropping. There was no more in the U.S. There are only a few, you know, finding them some places in Canada. So this guy, George Simpson, and he was actually, they say, a governor of Hudson's Bay Company, which was like the major trading company. yeah. Yeah. So between 1821 and 1850, I guess he put a like a series of trapping moratoriums and quotas that stopped prohibited agents at these posts from buying the skins of beaver cubs and summer killed adults. So you can buy them during certain seasons. Like right, you know, right. somehow they knew that because their, I guess because their fur was of like less, was less valuable. Mm-hmm. But this, they call it a conservation measure, but I feel like it was really more about money. Yeah. It did help a little bit, but it was like too limited in certain areas to really make a difference. And then south of the border, these independent American trappers were just getting as many as they could. Wild And they called them hairy banknotes. They say that was the lingo of the mountain men. And then I guess as opposed to that guy's conservation efforts, these independent trappers were like expanding all over and eliminating beavers from parts of Oregon and Washington before anybody else could get there. Just so greedy. Meanwhile, hundreds of miles south, this is south of, this was still in Canada. Hmm. There's this guy called Archibald Bellaney. He was an English immigrant and he had adopted a First Nations persona and had the alias Gray Owl. Hmm. He took up this but okay, so it seems weird. Like he's just this yeah. British guy who's like, I'm going to become a Native American mm-hmm. person, but he wanted to protect beavers. So I'm like, cool. That's cool. So in 1928, I guess he, after years of making his living as a trapper in Northern Ontario and Quebec, he swore off trapping and set out to save the species that he said had become the symbol of Canada's vanishing wilderness. In 1928, the Dominion Parks branch made a 13-minute black-and-white silent motion picture featuring him, Gray Owl, wearing his customary buckskin jacket and moccasins with his two pet beavers, Rawhide and Jelly Roll. (laughs) Jelly Roll? I just love it. It said, so no professional filmmaker had ever filmed beavers in a natural setting, and beaver people which can be viewed on, I guess it's called Beaver People. You can see it on the National Film Board website, was a hit. 
The following year, the Parks Commission offered Gray Owl a job in a new home by, how do you say it? Saskatchewan. Thank you. Prince Albert's National Park. And he just stayed there as a live tourist attraction. And they say he was a lanky, blue-eyed, and I'm using quotes, Indian solemnly greeted hundreds of visitors who canoed and hiked to his cabin each summer and introduced them to rawhide and jelly roll. I have a picture of him with jelly roll. I'm going to rename Saber jelly roll. (laughs) It's just so, I kind of, I love it. That's a great name. Anyways, they say the celebrity pair always came when he called and they would give, he would give them apples, peanuts, and other treats. They also had, you know, their own litters of kits to reveal the park's uh, beaver population. Good oh, price. wow. That's pretty neat. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, a little, it's like it's a, a little, little strange. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, he his heart, eventually his heart was in the right place, but yeah, yeah. weird to kind of like masquerade <laughs> as a native. Uh, yeah, kind of appropriate a, another culture uh-huh. when he could have just, you know, lived out there. And, and been like, I was a trapper and now I have these. And, yeah. Right. I don't want to do this anymore because it's bad for the environment. It's bad for these animals. I can only think that his heart was in the right place that he really respected. Right. Maybe he had made some friends that were native yeah. to the area and he really respected them. And they were like, why are you guys killing all the beavers? And yeah. I don't know. And he was like, he, just, was, he went for it. He he went 100%. He, he dove straight in. You know, whatever, whatever works. It was 1928. Yeah. It's not like anybody was like, that's wrong. This is true. Yeah. I mean, probably people were like, that's wrong, you know, in a different way. Right. In like a not nice way. Probably. And not yeah. that people... Anyway, I'm just taking myself a hole here. I don't know. Human, human's going to human. <laughs> yeah. But basically, over time, they recovered. But it's not all good news because in a lot of areas, it's not a matter of protecting the animals, but it's trying to get humans to coexist with them. Right. Because beavers cause a lot of problems they for do. people. There's a constant battles with people. We talked about this in another episode, mm-hmm. how I was telling you how when I was at the lake with my grand grandparents. Yeah. And I remember there were beavers around and people would sometimes shoot them because right. they were worried they would tear up the docks or boats right. or whatever. And I was like appalled. Yeah. And 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 I talked about my neighbor who who killed some beavers. Right, right. Uh, because of he didn't want them to take down his trees. Yeah. So that's the thing is they cut down people's trees in their yards. Mm-hmm. They can cut down a tree that like falls on their house block culverts and build dams. Um, They can block roads, mess with people's farms, you know, whatever. But they said the the U.S. Department of Agriculture estimates that beavers cost millions of dollars in damage each year. There is an actual number, but I didn't write it down, of how many millions. Yeah, I I totally understand the economics of, like, animals who are viewed in kind of like a pest scenario. Mm Mm-hmm. But I feel also like in this situation, as with a lot of situations with wildlife, like that was where they historically built homes. <laughs> so you're in there. You're habitat. kind of already like, mm-hmm. is that just is it really an economic loss or is it the, you know, the business of living in a place where something wild used to be? Right. Now, I think, the you know, Animal wardens or fishing game are pretty good. There's whole companies out there in some places that are devoted to helping people manage beavers instead of Mm -hmm. killing them. Like coexist. Coexist. So you could put a drain through a beaver dam to keep the water 
you know, levels manageable, or they can use, uh, (laughs) I'm sure they don't love that. They can wrap (laughs) metal around tree trunks to keep them from chewing on it. Or I guess there's certain kinds of like not toxic paint, but paint mixed with sand that they wouldn't like. So there's other things that they can do. I've also seen a lot of, uh, they relocate them. Mm Mm-hmm to other areas that they've historically used where maybe there should be more beavers. Right, right. Yeah, so it's it's like this kind of complex, you know, thing that is still going going on on right now. But I want to talk a little bit about conservation. In England, I thought this was cool, they've brought them back. Yeah. So we talked about this sometime. Wasn't it like a science news that you did? Well, but I was talking about reintroducing the wildcats. Yeah. And I was like, oh, they already reintroduced beavers. Yes, that's what it was. Yeah. So that was in, it's called the River Otter Beaver Trial. And it's the River Otter Catchment. And that's where they've been doing this trial for several years. They reintroduced two family groups of beavers in 2015. And this was the Devon Wildlife Trust and the University of Exeter, which and is my old school. I think the Devon Wildlife Trust is something that I talked about in the Heck Cow episode. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. he did. Because they were talking about rewilding Britain. Yes, yes. Yeah. So since 2015, there's now an estimated 15 family groups of beavers living on the river. Oh, wow. And in 2020, there was this landmark decision that the government allowed the beavers to remain and they were given legal protection in the UK. Oh. So also in Scotland, there was uh, the last, like I said, the last beaver sighting in England, I they say was in 1789. And by that point, like they really weren't finding any there was like a very high price for them so people were really looking Mm -hmm. and they weren't finding it in may 2009 the scottish wildlife trust partnered with the royal zoological society of scotland and the forestry and land scotland they released first wild beavers in scotland in over 400 years and the scottish beaver trial is one of the largest field trials of its kind in europe anyway but it's worked out everybody's like happy so scotland and then down further south in England. England. I wonder if the the moors are going to be different. (laughs) (laughs) But probably for the better. Yeah. I think that's what people don't understand. I'm going to talk about that. But first, I have to talk about this crazy... And I can't remember if it was when my dad was here we were talking about it or if you and I talked about it. But 75 years ago, in the late 40s, Idaho Fish and Game started parachuting beavers. (laughs) What? Yes. Okay, I'm going to tell you the story. It is kind of amazing. So I guess they always struggled with the, you know, problems with beavers mm-hmm. because they get too close to people. Yeah. Right. So trapping and rehoming them is tough and expensive because they're looking for the right habitat and it's sometimes really far. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so just after World War II, people started moving closer to this, I guess, really lovely place called McCall and Payette Lake. And the Idaho Fishing Games, this guy, Steve Leibenthal, there we go. Leibenthal says that people started building homes and in the process kind of moved into where the beavers had been doing their thing for decades or centuries. Mm -hmm. But then all of a sudden the beavers are the problem. Mm -hmm. Mm. So then there was this other guy named Elmo Hedder. And Hedder also worked for Idaho Fishing Game in that area. He had experience with beavers and they were like, listen here, Elmo. Find a solution. And he's like, all right. So he knew the Chamberlain Basin was the perfect place for the beavers. They would be away from people in their natural habitat and they would be like 
doing their thing and not bothering anybody. And he didn't want to kill them. But he thought about packing up the beavers and then like trying to take them all the way out there. He said beavers and mules don't mix. (laughs) That horses and mules get spooky and quarrelsome when loaded with struggling, odorous (laughs) pair of live beavers. Because, you know, they're like... Doing their stinky stuff, their vanilla <laughs> musk. Vanilla musky. And then they have anal glands too that are, yeah. that's actually stinky. And also they were losing beavers from trying to get them that far away yeah. back then. He thought of this other idea because World War II and he knew there was a surplus of parachutes left over. And then he had like a light bulb moment. He's like, what if, hear me out. Can you imagine this meeting? <laughs> hear me out. What if we dropped beavers from a plane into the backcountry? And everyone's like, but how? (laughs) Yeah. So he was, he decided to build these wooden boxes that, because obviously a wooden box, they're going to chew through it. Yeah. But he built one that somehow they couldn't chew through it. So he came up with this specially designed wooden box that would open upon impact. But it was also designed so they couldn't chew through it. So when he first tested it, he used just dummy weights. Mm -hmm. This is no Niagara Falls. Let's just throw animals. (laughs) Thank goodness. Uh... Um, Then after it worked with the weights, he found an older male beaver to become his test pilot. Oh, God. And he named it Geronimo. (laughs) That's not right. It's also not right. But it's 1948. So Geronimo went through a series of tests to see how it would work, he says. And he dropped Geronimo... (laughs) Elmo dropped Geronimo on a landing field over and over and over again. And each time he popped out of the box, was caught by handlers, and put back inside for another ride. Was he tested for concussions? And then they they were like, poor fellow. He finally became resigned. As soon as we approached him, he would crawl back into his box, ready to go again. I'm like, this poor beaver. beaver. He's like, trying to be a team player here. Just... Just so you know, this whole time you're telling the story, I'm just picturing Elmo from Sesame Street. <laughs> Doing all the like, work. Yeah, just like, <laughs> Elmo gonna drop beavers. <laughs> you know? <laughs> B is for beavers. <laughs> so I guess once he felt like it's gonna work, he put the plan into action. And Geronimo was the first one. He was on the first plane. They say he was sent on his own little piece of paradise with three lovely young beavers. Oh, what? They gave him a harem? Uh-huh. Nice. And once he hit the ground, it took uh, Geronimo little to figure, like, very little time to figure out that his parachuting days were over, they say. And he created a colony with his lady friends. Wow. He just had a pair of aviators at that point. <laughs> he, had like a, like, he had, like, a leather jacket. And the girls are like, aviators. oh, my God. And he had, like, one of those patches from, like, Airborne Division, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, yeah. He like, was full Tom Cruise. What are the ones that jump? Is it red red berets that like jump out of no, planes? In the no, no, not red berets. What are the ones what? who jump out of planes? In the no, of and they're green berets, aren't oh, they? Oh, green berets. You're right. No, they're uh, uh, right. They I have a know. name. Yeah, uh, yeah, he had one of those patches. Yeah, and just the this everybody's yelling it right of, now. Yeah, hottest pair of uh of aviators, slicked back hair. Yeah. Totally. Now I'm going to just sit here and try to think of what the name of those guys are called that jump from the planes because they have a name. Yeah. Anyway, so you can look it up while I talk. You guys are all yelling it at us right now. So after Geronimo, there were 76 and all that were dropped into the basin and all but one survived the drop. So, I mean, that's not bad. It's not that bad. Poor guy, but or girl. And they say they created some amazing habitat, and it's now one of the largest protected roadless forests in the lower 48 states. 
He's not sure why it didn't continue past 1948, he says. But my assumption is that they accomplished all they wanted to accomplish in the area, so there was no need to continue. They said that they saved a lot in man hours and mortality of animals, um, and the sex ratios were maintained. The beavers are healthier, better condition to establish a colony. Transplanting beavers, you can read about it by Elmo W. Header in the Journal of Wildlife Management. That's very cool. Um, they're called paratroopers. No. Is that what you're thinking of? Paratroopers? Isn't that from like Star Trek or Star no, Wars? No, no, no. They jump out of airplanes, use parachutes and land no, safely on the ground. that's not... There's another name. Well, yeah. that might be one Airborne name. forces are ground combat units, blah, 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 blah. Parachute qualified. Yeah, they're also known as paratroopers. <sighs> Airborne forces. Hold on. <laughs> the jump master? Is that... No. That's like, a, that's like a the head of the paratroopers. So I think I'm just thinking of airborne... Oh, yeah, air, like 82nd Airborne. Yeah, blah, just blah, blah. Airborne yeah, yeah, yeah. Troop, this, but probably, they, yeah, then they call the them. The individuals are called paratroopers. What is the Star Wars one? What are they called? Troopers. Uh... Are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> what is that one? Those guys? Stormtroopers? Storm <laughs> That's what I thought of. It's like, I that's mean... not what they're called, Megan. But what if paratroopers jumped out in a storm? Would they then be stormtroopers? Just saying. Exactly. These are things we talk about. It's you know what? It's seven o'clock. So Jen, I'm you know. We usually my brain we usually is re- not. Yeah, together. we record yeah. usually much earlier than this, so we need to eat. <laughs> okay, now that beavers are more protected. Yeah, and I kind of mentioned this earlier. They're more humanely trapped and relocated mm-hmm. rather than shot. I think that happened when we were kids. Things are better now. Oh yeah. In 2021, the Defenders of Wildlife initiated a cost share program to help pay for costs associated with beaver coexistence in northern New Mexico. Hmm. So there's a lot of nonprofits that are doing different kind of work to try to help people coexist with them. The goal of the program is to encourage peaceful coexistence with beavers by assisting communities with design and funding projects that reduce negative impacts. This is kind of my last thing I'm going to talk about. Yeah. And because I just think it's so amazing. And there's, like I said, a lot of papers right now about it, but it's about how people are looking at beavers as the tool that's going to help us with climate change and they're going to protect rivers and everything. So there's a study that was conducted at uh, Colorado's East River and they found that this beaver dam improved the surrounding area's water quality during times of drought. Oh, wow. Yeah. They're able to protect rivers threatened by climate change. So they create ponds and they excavate waterways when the habitat dries up because, you know, they can stop flows of water and mm-hmm. make other ponds and wetlands and things, wetlands yeah. and mm-hmm. things. Exactly. When there's drought, they still have those pockets of water. Right. So this Stanford University professor, Scott Fendorf, he's a senior author of this beaver study. He said that as we are getting drier and warmer in the mountain watersheds in the American West, that should lead to water quality degradation. Yet unbeknownst to us, prior to the study, the outsized influence of beaver activity on water quality is a positive counter to climate change. Mm. It's pretty cool. That's So neat. what they're doing now is they're looking at how beavers are doing what they should have, they've been doing forever yeah. and that it actually works yeah. and that we need them. So they've been moving them around into different, relocating them to some areas where they used to be yeah. to help with the water quality and help with... Almost like reestablishing, re-establishing those wetlands again. Exactly, yeah. exactly. That's 
That's, I mean, it's like, <laughs> it's like mitigation. It's, it's the most long-term mitigate or like, like a delayed mitigation. Ever. Right. But yeah. Right. Yeah. This study kind of went through that they looked at, um, they monitored the nutrient and contamination levels in water and compared it to other areas mm-hmm. than to that area where the beavers had put their dam. And it was like, they were kind of blown away. But at the same time, I'm kind of like, well, they were decimated. But yeah. if they weren't, all of this might be more obvious or just kind of. Sure. And then you got to wonder, like, yeah, what if they had never been decimated and then the natural landscape of, you know, North America was left to be the way that it was? You know what I mean? Uh Uh-huh. I I hate. It's like I always do this, right? Where you're like, what if never they were never killed off? And then we have this like luscious land and we all lived in harmony. There would have been something. Colonizers didn't kill everybody. It was just. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Well, so he also added, um, we would expect climate change to induce hydrological extremes and degradation of the water quality during drought periods. In this study, we're seeing that would have indeed been true if this weren't for the other ecological changes taking place, which is the beavers, mm-hmm. right? And they're proliferating dams and their growing populations. And like all the after effects of that. Yeah. Like all the biodiversity that happens. So it just, you know, I mean, we kind of know things, but it's always good to do a study and then put it out there. And it's like, this is what we need. And then you have it in black and white. There it is. We proved it. And then other people can be like, oh, I'm also going to go look at that and just make sure it's cool. And like everybody's like, wow, this is cool. Especially when they're really studying water contamination and nutrients and seeing that there is a big difference. Right, right, right. So I actually have a book recommendation. Oh. This is, it's called Eager, The Surprising Secret Life of Beavers. And why they matter. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> Did you say that is the title of the book Eager? Eager. Like Eager Beaver. <laughs> yes. Come on. It's okay. so cute. No, The Surprising Secret Life of Beavers and Why They Matter. I it's, think it's great. Yeah, it's great. It's by Ben Goldfarb and it was published in 2018 and it got like super high reviews. Mm-hmm. So in Eager, <laughs> so anyway, I'm going to read just the synopsis that's in uh, Amazon. Environmental journalist Ben Goldfarb reveals that our modern idea of what a healthy landscape looks like and how it functions is wrong, distorted by the fur trade that once trapped out millions of beavers from North America's lakes and rivers. The consequences of losing beavers were profound. Streams eroded, wetlands dried up, and species from salmon to swans lost vital habitat. Today, a growing coalition of beaver believers... I did air quotes. I love it. Including scientists, ranchers, and passionate citizens recognizes that ecosystems with beavers are far healthier for humans and non-humans alike than those without them. Mm -hmm. From the Nevada deserts to the Scottish highlands, believers are now hard at work restoring these industrious rodents to their former haunts. Eager is a powerful story about one of the world's most influential species, how North America was colonized, how our landscapes have changed over the centuries, and how beavers can help us fight drought, flooding, wildfire extinction, and the ravages of climate change. Ultimately, it's about how we can learn to coexist harmoniously and even beneficially with our fellow travelers on this planet. That's nice. It's really nice. I wish I had read it before we, (laughs) but I found it. I was like, oh, it's too late, but I am going to read it. It's okay. So this Beaver Believers, I looked it up and it's a documentary and a group, but it's an award-winning feature documentary sharing the urgent yet whimsical story of an unlikely group of activists. So there's some scientists, there's a 
sassy, spicy hairdresser. I love it. And they share a common vision, and they're all working to restore North American, the North American beaver, that most industrious, ingenious bucktooth engineer to the watersheds of the American West. It looks great. I watched the trailer. Way better than... Zombievers? Zombievers, yes. Organization to support. Yeah. Because this organization works directly with the beaver believers. And... <laughs> Beaver Believers! <laughs> so they're the Beaver Coalition at mm-hmm. beavercoalition.org. And their mission is to empower humans to partner with beavers through education, science, advocacy, and process-based restoration. As a nonprofit organization, we are dedicated to facilitating paradigm shift in society's understanding of beavers. We envision a future in which there is widespread public support for return of beavers and their work as ecosystem engineers to the waterways of North America. We believe clean, abundant water resources and functioning stream systems are universal needs for the health and well-being of people and the places they live. Very nice. The end. <laughs> the end. <laughs> that was great. That's I I like your organization support. I'm not going to watch Zombie Beavers, but I may watch the uh, Beaver Believer documentary. The Beaver Believers and read the book. Yeah. Eager. The Secret Life of Beavers. Whoever in the British person in the early 1920s mm-hmm. just didn't start calling it that. I mean, rude. That guy. <laughs> we wouldn't be having so many giggles. So many giggles. Like uncomfortable, like giggles, <laughs> even though we hate it. Yeah. It just, yeah, it made it a funny word, but it's not. Well, I mean, now that I see that beavers are just really freaking cool. I know. I'm right? almost like, I, I don't mind that word so much as like. True. You know That I mean? is a good point. It's, it just elevates it somehow. Right. Because beavers like, are Like, hell cool yeah, yeah. That's my beaver. <laughs> <laughs> beavers are awesome. So yeah. So now I'm glad you're as equally as like stoked on beavers as I am. They're pretty cool. Yeah. I am a beaver believer. <laughs> I am part of the group. Did you do you can you sign up for it? I think so. That well what you do is go to the Beaver Coalition. You oh, can yeah. sign up and you can get a sticker. Oh. Everybody go get a sticker. I love stickers. Just throw just throw a little money. Just twenty bucks. It's throw not it a lot. Them. I mean this is like I feel like beavers are gonna save us. Yeah. Like they're gonna save our sad existence after we tried to destroy them yeah and almost did let's put all our hopes and dreams and our future on the backs of beavers (laughs) (laughs) done it's gonna happen so megan yes jen what are you gonna put in your emergency preparedness kit i mean or i'm not sure what (laughs) besides a nice little container of vanilla musk A la a 1995. <laughs> oh, really? What it is, Jen, is that it shouldn't be the vanilla musk of the old. Like this shouldn't be the natural vanilla musk. There should be no ingredient. natural vanilla musk. It guys. should be. You know what? It yeah. Maybe we need like a chemistry degree or or like. It's already done. Work There's already the synthetic yeah, vanilla. We're it's just gonna remake it. So yes. we'll, it will, you know, make it more musky. <laughs> it'll be vanilla musk sands. Yeah, uh-huh. sands beaver. <laughs> you know, beaver glands. It's, it's sands beaver glands. Or just at the bottom of the bottle, this product contains no beaver parts. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what it. That's what it should be. Okay, so we should because you know what vanilla musk it's castor castorium it's a really good smell Jen. <laughs> I'm I, 
I feel like I need to know what this smells like. I mean, it sounds it sounds like a candle, they, like a so nice candle. They sold it in a store recently. I mean, it's still being sold. You can still buy it. It looks mm. exactly the same. I saw it in a store recently, or maybe when we were in the States or something. It smells exactly the same. It, it took me back to, yeah, like 1995, 1992. 1990 I like immediately like if is it like a pretty affordable so i imagine oh, yeah. if you were buying it oh, yeah. when you're a kid it's yeah. like i think actually i'm almost like a hundred percent positive that one of my first boyfriends that sounds so delicious uh gave it to me as like a christmas gift oh and like i think that i maybe bought him some like polo or something some just really crappy yeah (laughs) absolutely 100 percent. yeah i think that is some old spice and i feel like vanilla musk the brand was new at the time like i i can't remember when it first came out but it was definitely early 90s yeah oh yeah so i can't remember the one that i always wore it was so now that i look back oh remember obsession that was like the big one Calvin Klein. Anything by Calvin Klein was I like a thing. I couldn't afford CK1, but you could afford Vanilla Musk because nobody makes that. So here's my <laughs> thought, though. I'm I'm thinking, oh, Poison. That was another one. Remember that there one? Go, Opium? Yeah. Oh, my mom. My mom was really I don't know if she still is, but that was like her scent. Opium. I think we talked about this in a previous. Episode. Right. It was like the cloud of opium when she would be getting ready. It would be like kind of warm in her like like the front part of the bathroom it's like the the you know where she would get dressed and mm-hmm. there was like a mirror and she'd do her makeup and it would just be like the smell of the makeup products and just the cloud of opium um, yeah. and yeah. hairspray my and grandma like, was Whoa. estee lauder all the way oh, and man. so when i smell it i think of her i think that i remember switching at some point to um ck1 because i was like why do we need to like be so like gendery with this right it can be anything i can wear anybody. i can wear something that smells like um cologne and perfume yeah and that was like ck1 i feel like that was the thing for ck1 right (laughs) it was like anybody can wear it right right but i yeah i definitely well i mean after my vanilla musk days i'm almost positive (laughs) that was when i went when we went to peace corps when i stopped wearing perfume because like why do you bring you would never bring perfume yeah i did not bring perfume what if what if you like met me and i was just like vanilla musky (laughs) (laughs) you'd be like whoa that girl there I'd be like, she smells like just like a candle. It's kind of so nice. Weird. Yeah, she smells like a cookie. But so what I'm thinking <laughs> mm-hmm. is that if it's that inexpensive, mm-hmm. that perfume, they weren't using yeah, the real deal. It I was, don't think so. It was because that, beaver, that's beaver like a very, I mean, I think this like Swedish schnapps is probably a very pricey. Expensive. Yeah. 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 Because there's not a lot of it. I mean, think of all the trouble you got to go through. So maybe you can just go get yourself some vanilla musk. I don't know. We have to do some research on this. We should call. We should write the company and be like, can you please indicate on your bottle that there's no castorium or whatever? Yeah. Yeah, No beaver glands involved in the making of this product. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you could put like a little beaver in there. That would be Like a tiny little. Just, yeah. Down in the corner. Named Jelly Roll. Just waving. <laughs> Jelly roll. Beaver approved. Animal guess. friendly, beaver friendly. Beaver friendly vanilla musk. There yeah. we go. Yeah, it's important. You need it. You want to smell nice, you know? You do. And I feel like you would attract beavers. Oh, for sure. At this point, I would like to have all the beaver friends. They're amazing. I'm not going to try and take a selfie with you. No. You know, I will just, not whatever you guys you. need. Like, I'm just, you know. And I'm going to keep my distance if you're in some sort of zombie craze. Mm-hmm. It's good. 
I'm good. And plus, Vanilla Musk is not overpowering. It's like a very subtle. <laughs> She's really. <laughs> I'm just saying, it was like low key. Yes, it was a it's low really key. Really good. Scent. It's, it's a really nice. Perfume. It's a really good, and I feel like <laughs> I feel like she's gonna start wearing it again. Like this is, this is happening. I'm not even. I mean, we found it on Amazon. I don't know. Just, well, I just gotta find out if they use beavers or not. No, not in this day and age. God. All right. Sounds good. That was a, that was a fun episode, Jen. Yeah. Thanks. I'm glad you enjoyed it. For all of you who've been asking for a beaver episode, there you go. Enjoy. Enjoy. Next up, owls. Oh. Oh, yeah. It's for yours. I'm like, am I doing owls? No, I'm doing, I'm doing some owls. <laughs> yeah. It's going to yeah. happen. That'll be great. All right. You're Gonna Die Out There is produced by us, Jen and Megan, and edited by the talented and super nice guy, Jonathan Pillsbury. Thank you, Jonathan. Yay. Yay. Uh, all of this is possible because of an amazing group of nature nerd patrons. If you would like to be part of our super cool nerd community on Patreon, just go to our website at you're going to die out there.com or you can check our link tree on our Instagram page, which is kind of amazing. It is. I'm sorry. But it is. Uh, another way you can support is by leaving us a five star review on Apple podcast. Uh, if you do, Jen will send you a really kick ass sticker. You just have to send us your mailing address. I will do it. If I forget, hey, if you left us a review and I didn't send you a sticker, send us an email. Let me know. Just let me know. Uh, also, we would love to hear from you. We get a lot of our stories from listener suggestions. A lot. We kind of steal them. All the time. Yeah. Because um, they're so good. So if you would like to do that, go to our website. We have a contact page at you're going to die there.com or an email. You're going to die out there at gmail.com. And at the beginning of the episode, we give you a shout out. <laughs> Thanks for listening. And until next time. Don't die out there. Bye. Bye. I've been also watching some videos on TikTok. They're called like Hot Cheeto Girls. Uh-huh. Have you ever heard of this? No, I don't. I don't know. Okay, like imagine the most like done up girl in your school. Like you're in high school. It's like five minutes till the bell is going to ring. They have like hairspray. They have like a scent, right? Mm -hmm. like maybe a vanilla mask. Who knows? <laughs> um, they like nails, hair, all the things, makeup, just right. And they like are always chewing gum, putting lotion on. Yes. Okay. Those girls apparently are called hot Cheeto girls because mm -hmm. also they eat hot Cheetos. Okay. Apparently. I don't, this might be a new thing. This might be like a gen, whatever generation we're in now. Uh -huh. Z, A, I don't know. But it's like all these videos and it's, it's really satisfying to like watch like what them. What do they do? They just chew gum and put lotion and they're very like jingly and jangly and like clicky clacky. It showed up on my thing and I was, because I sometimes like to watch ASMR stuff. Don't judge me. And <laughs> what's ASMR? I don't actually remember what it stands. It's like audio sensory something or other. It's like when you watch stuff that like, it's like the organization videos, right? You like click things into place. Oh, that's it's like stuff. the sound okay. of it. I'm like, oh, that's really satisfying. But anyway, I'll show right. you one. Right. Okay. People will know what we're talking about. Somehow we're talking about Hot Cheeto Girls. <laughs> I could I... never go on TikTok again. <laughs> this, she needs to stop. <laughs>